from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. There ain't no grave Gonna hold my body down There ain't no
that kind of way. It was my tune. It was my tune. Till I met you. I was breathing, but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. I was my two. It was my two. Till I met you. When you call us out, come on, sing it. You call my name. Come on. And I ran out of that grave yeah. Out of the darkness Into your glorious day When you called our name Lord, you, you called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day Come on, let's sing about his mercy. Now your mercy has saved my soul. Thank you for your freedom, Jesus. Now your freedom is all that I know. The old they knew. Jesus, when I
Jesus and the sacrifice that he made for us so that we could have eternal life, God. We glorify you in this place. Come on, let's lift him up. Now the darkness fades. Now the darkness fades. It's a new beginnings. As we lift our eyes to a hope beyond. And our creation waits with an expectation to declare the reign of the Lord our God. Come on, declare it. That we will not be moved. It's a beautiful day to declare that our God has risen. So let's lift our voices to declare this right now. That he shall reign forever. Strongholds now surrendered for the Lord. Our God has overcome. And he can be against us. Jesus, our defender, because he is Lord. And he has overcome. Come on. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice, Jesus. And that you rose. 
Because for every fear in our lives, there's an empty grave. We thank you that we can be resurrected ourselves, even today. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. On a shameful day he died In the sorrow of defeat But forgiveness was his cry As his blood ran down for me Thank you for your blood, Jesus how the Father's heart was torn as His only Son was slain. But the earth would soon rejoice, yes, from the place where hope was laid. Yes, Jesus, we thank you. Come on, sing this out. For the Lamb has overcome Everlasting love has won In eternal praise we will lift Him up For the Lamb has overcome the world Yes, He is overcome He 
in here today. And man, not just in here, I tell you what, we can feel it from the sanctuary, you guys joining us, we can feel you over at True Worth, and all of you guys watching online, man, there's, there's just an amazing day to celebrate our resurrected Savior, amen? amen. All right, happy Easter. Easter. All right, let me try that one more time. That was my fault, I didn't give you enough heads up, I apologize, so we'll try it again. Happy Easter! Yeah, man, it's a beautiful day to be here with you. We want to say a special welcome uh, to our friends right now at True Worth that are watching. Thank you guys for being with us. If you're over in the sanctuary, we're so glad that you're here. And if you're watching online, we want to say hello and thank you to you as well. I know there's a lot of families that may be gathering today that are watching the service online that couldn't be here or live far away. Thank you for joining us. And I'm going to be selfish just for a moment because I know a lot of my family back in Tennessee are watching. So happy Easter, guys, and happy birthday, Dad. So, uh, thank you. <laughs> um, we're just so glad to be here with you. If you're new to Pathway, we want to thank you for joining us. Uh, after the service, we've got all kinds of stuff going on out here. We have picture stations set up over here. We call this area our crossing, that big kind of lobby area out there. There's picture stations where you can go get some pictures with your family mate. I think there's some stuffed animals. So just get some good Easter family photos out there. And uh, over at True Worth, man, I hope you guys are enjoying those donuts. I heard about those this morning and uh, made me really hungry. So I hope you're enjoying that. And uh, again, we just want to thank you. Thank you for joining us. And we want to invite you to come back next weekend. We have a brand new series that's going to be kicking off next weekend about health and wellness. And so if you'll just take a moment to check out the screens, that'll tell you more about that.
All right, so that kicks off next weekend, the total package. We hope you'll come back and check that out. It's going to be a fun series uh, with a lot of great information, and uh, we're going to have a good time. Right now, we're going to move into our time of offering, and uh, as we do that, we're just going to continue to uh, celebrate our risen Savior, and so we're going to continue with worship, and uh, we'll ask our guest services to come forward and receive our tithes and offerings.
risen. Your response is, he is risen indeed. He is risen. Yes, he is. He is risen indeed. And you made that very evident by the proclamation through your song uh, this morning. And so I thank you. you, you when you are worshiping, Sanctuary, True Worth, online, here in the ark, when you are worshiping, you need to understand that not only is God being honored, but people around you will be encouraged. That when you sing and you worship, and you make yourself born for God, you're encouraging others uh, that there is hope uh, in this one that we call our God. And so thank you for doing that. And welcome to all of you. We're glad you're looking pretty good. In fact, I need to take a moment to look back here. I wish I had my camera with me. My phone's in my office. I want to take some pictures because some of you, I've never seen you look this good. <laughs> in fact, there's some of you, I'm kind of shocked. <laughs> I didn't know it was possible. And you really look fine. And I was over in the sanctuary a while ago, and some of y'all are really looking good, and y'all were singing great. And true worth, I know y'all are always looking good, because I just, we got to worship y'all, some of y'all last weekend. So, uh, again, I know there are a lot of great churches in the area. Uh, there are many. And for some reason, this, this weekend, uh, you chose this to be the place for you to come. And so, thank you. Uh, we, we are humbled that you would allow us to be a part of your life, you know, in, in this Easter weekend. When you walked in here this morning to the worship space, whether True Worth, uh, in the sanctuary or in the ark, uh, you received one of these right here. Normally you would receive a worship guide. Uh, you did not get one this morning. You would have had something like this on the insert. You didn't get one this morning. Uh, these are your life steps. If you're a regular, you know what they are. Around here we believe that being in the Bible a little bit every day is important. And so we have something called life steps. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all the way next Sunday with little questions about different scriptures to help you kind of grow in your own life. So if you want one of these, they're out on the crossing. You can find them at the Welcome Center. One of the tables around there. Just grab it. Take it home with you. Uh, we'll also post online, as we always do, during, during the week. Uh, but this right here, everyone's going to need this as a part of the worship time. So if you have this little card, I encourage you to kind of have access to it and uh, use it. Now, and we'll use it at the very end of our time together. Last summer, I'm out in the community. I'm visiting with, a, with someone I would call a leader of leaders, a leader in our community. Uh, they're a public servant, very successful in business, a great family, just enjoy, really enjoys family. And we're having a conversation, and I can tell that something is amiss. And we're friends. We have a relationship. And you know how sometimes where everything can be right in your life, everything seems to be perfect, but on the inside something feels incomplete. And he was in this stage of life of feeling incomplete. Now, disclaimer, he, at this time he would tell you he is not even sure if he believes in God. Uh, he would say, if, if there is a God, I'm as far away from him as possibly can be. And let me take a moment to say, if there's some of you here this morning, uh, you're not sure if you believe in God, I mean, you're here only this morning because your family said, we're going to Easter, it's Easter, we're having lunch, if you want lunch, you come to church, and, and you're here for that reason, only to get a bite to eat, and you really don't believe in God, or if you do, you think you're far from God, you're welcome here. Um, this is an okay place for you to come. We have a lot of people who come here from time to time and not even sure if God is real, and you're welcome here to raise questions and to challenge and to wonder. Or maybe you feel like God's abandoned you or you've left God. It's, you're okay to be here. 
So this is where he was in life. And he and I are talking, having a conversation. And we're not even talking about faith. We're talking about sports because that's what we guys do. We talk about sports. And we're talking about sports stuff. And out of the blue, he brings up a question. It had nothing to do with our conversation. And here was the question. He said, Rick, why are you a Christian? Wow. I mean, what the context of our conversation didn't lend itself to invite that. But he just brought it up out of the blue. He said, why are you a Christian? So I tried to answer him the very best that I could, and I'm kind of going through it. He interrupts me. He stops me. He goes, whoa, 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 whoa. He said, you need to back the truck up. I've never done the church deal. I've never done the Sunday school thing. I've heard about it, never been there. Uh, you guys, you're talking about some concepts. I don't understand the language even you're discussing. Uh, you got to slow it down and really help me sort this thing out. Back to the basics. Now, I will tell you, when he said that, I found myself feeling very frustrated with myself, disappointed in myself. Uh, I've been a Christian now for some 48 years going on. I've been pastor of this church for some 30 years, and I should be able to do that, but I failed. I failed miserably. I could not answer the question the way he was asking it. So I decided that was never going to happen again. And I went about to be equipped and prepared to challenge myself if that moment ever comes, I'm going to be ready to tell the story of God and us in a very simple, simple way. So I decided I was going to come up with five words, five words that I could talk about in five minutes about this whole thing about story about God and us. Now, I know that some of you, when I said the word five minutes, the phrase, you got really excited. <laughs> Don't get too excited. <laughs> I just say it. But my goal was to be able to, after in the world, just take five minutes on these five words. So I've been working on this since last, last summer. And this weekend, I'm kind of sharing this. So whether or not you're someone who doesn't know if you believe in God, and you're kind of going, okay, why are these people get in here and do this thing? Or some of you that are very centered on Christ, and you wonder, how can I talk about it in a way that makes sense and is easy? I'm hoping this will help you. So here's the first word. If you have your little thing, here's the first word. And the first word is love. God is love. Uh, let's say that. Uh, there is a God, and he has this tremendous capacity to love. You think you know how to love? You don't know what love is. I mean, God knows how to love. The Bible says God is love. And this whole thing called the creation, uh, this thing that you and I get to inhabit, the earth, uh, it did not come about just because of some random collision of gases. Or you're not here because of some evolutionary cycle where you accidentally became a human being. Uh, I don't believe that at all. I believe in science. I believe God created science. But there is a God who has such a capacity to love that he created the heavens and the earth. And then he created humanity, you and me. And he gave you and me the capacity to love also. So we can love God back, but more importantly, so we can love each other. So we can really learn how to love each other. And Christianity it is the only religion in the world with any integrity that can say it is held together and created solely out of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The great commandment in this whole book summed up into one sentence, love God, love people. Love. So that's the first word I would want you to grab hold of, is what this whole thing is about is love. The second word I would say is evil. 
I, I hate on this day to say this word, but it is the truth. Evil exists. If you awaken this morning, your news feed was scrolling through, and you saw what happened uh, as people gathered in Sri Lanka uh, to worship. And almost 200 people, at least we know of now, that have been killed. And it seems like every year, and not just at Easter, and other times of other holy days of other faiths, where people decide with hatred to go in, and about all you can say, it is the presence of evil. When you read this book, you don't get too deep into it. I mean, you get to chapter 3 of this book, and evil is already doing its thing. And people are saying terrible things to each other. In Genesis chapter 3, blaming and shaming, blaming and shaming. You get into chapter 4, a brother kills a brother. I mean, a family turning against each other. I bet there's some of you right here, your family in some ways is turning against each other. There are some of you who will gather today for Easter family opportunity to have a meal and share an Easter egg hunt of some kind, but there's some that are not going to talk to each other, not even going to speak, because evil has come to root in your family. You've turned from each other. Wars all around the world, genocide, hatred, such division, even in our own nation. You would have to be dead to not know that evil is alive and work on planet Earth. You've seen it in your own family. You've had terrible things done to you by people in your family and your neighbors. Some of you have done terrible things to other people, and you know it. Myself. Even now, at 60, almost 64 years of age, sometimes I stop and I go, oh, Rick, my goodness, you should know better. Why did you say that? Why did you even think that? Why did you do that? And I'm aware that evil exists and still has the power of using me to bring harm to other people. Evil is real. It's not flesh and blood. It's the principalities and powers of this dark world. And it, it just exists. The third word, I would say, is remedy, is that God sends a remedy. And that remedy is Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the blameless Son of God. Uh, there was no evil in him. He was tempted just like you and me in everything. He experienced people bringing evil things against him, yet there was not one evil part of Jesus. He showed us how to be good. He was really good. He showed us how to love even when people were treating you wrong, he showed us how to do that. And he really loved people. And he was a teacher. He taught truth. He taught the truth about who God is with no embarrassment. Very bold. This is who God is. And then at the right time, he shouldered the whole sin and the evil of all eternity from past, present, and future upon his shoulders. And they put him on a cross and they killed him because he was so good. They didn't know what to do with him, so they killed him. And he shouldered the sin and the evil of every human being, past, present, and future, upon his shoulders. He died. He literally died. And just when everybody thought it was over, it wasn't over. <laughs> because the love of God, he burst forth out of that tomb. And he was resurrected. And he was alive again, just as alive as I am standing before you right now. And because he was resurrected... He paved the way for each of us to be resurrected at that time in our life when this body ceases to function. Uh, Jesus is the remedy, the atoning sacrifice for evil in our sins. Here's the fourth word. There's two more words. 
The fourth word is choice. God gives you and me a choice. I think the riskiest thing that God did when he created you and me, maybe not so smart God, I'd even say, is he gave us free will. You have the choice. He could have put a program chip, a chip, a computer chip in Adam and Eve when they were born. He could have programmed you if he wanted to to get you to do everything exactly right and do right every single time. And God said, no, I'm not going to do that. I love my people too much, my daughters and my sons. I am going to give them free will. They are free to accept my love. They are free to reject my love. You have free will. You can choose to reject the remedy of Jesus Christ. You can choose to do that. If you want, you can choose evil. You can. I would say this world in which you and I live, we see all the stuff, the news, everything going on in the world. Today is an accumulation of choices that people have made in the past, good and for real. And today, you and I experience the consequences every day of those choices. There are some of you in your marriages and your families that are really messed up. It's the consequences of many small little choices that today you're experiencing the darkness of. Kids who've gone off the map, off the reservation, somewhere along the line, either them or you or some of their friends around them impacted them. They are the product of choices made of themselves and somebody else. That's true of all of us. And the choices that you make today are going to impact the future generations of your family. Listen, parents, moms and dads particularly, single mom, married, whomever you are, the choices you make impact the future of your children. you got some choices to make. And God is not going to make them for you. He has given you as a gift of love free will. Now, one of the most deadliest diseases in the history of the world was smallpox. Hundreds of millions of people killed by smallpox, died. In fact, over 300 million. More than all that were killed in wars in the 20th century died from smallpox. A little less than the entire population of the United States of America died because of smallpox. And by God's providence, there was a vaccine. You could have been immunized. But the availability of the vaccine did not protect, protect you from the disease. You had to go to your doctor. You had to say yes to the nurse, I want the vaccine. And if you said yes and they would give you the vaccine, you are protected. Tens of millions of people did not choose the vaccine. It was available, and they died. This is analogous to the Christian faith. So much hand in hand. Uh, when I'm out in the community, particularly at the gym, and someone finds out I'm, I'm a pastor, one of two things happen. One is they run the opposite direction. That's usually what happens. 
I mean, they try to get as far because they think they're going to catch something, you know, or whatever. And so they just run. Or, like I see, they kind of hang around the edges, kind of waiting for the opportunity to ask a question or to say something, to kind of get into a conversation about faith or make a statement about God. And so this has happened. A guy learned I'm a pastor, and he's trying to awkwardly, trying to engage with me. He says, hey, isn't it cool that God sent Jesus? You know, so for everybody in the world, and my response was, potentially, But you got to make the choice. You got to choose. You got to accept him. You per- no one can do it for you. You have to choose him as the remedy. The Bible's very clear on this. Romans 10:13. It says, "For all who call upon the name of the Lord, for all who choose to call upon his name, they will be rescued." There is a remedy. For this evil, for this sin, for this brokenness. But you have got to choose it. You've got to humble yourself and ask for it. And when you ask, our God, our loving God, will apply the remedy, the atoning sacrifice of the sin of Jesus, by the, of the love of Jesus on the cross for your sins to you, and you have the vaccine, you're, you are immunized. It's a wonderful, beautiful gift that God gives. And then something powerful happens. It's the fifth word. It's the word I really, the fifth word. It's the most powerful word I think of all of them. And it's the word that's called restore. God restores. And the word, the form of the word I really love is restoration. Restoration. In fact, over in the sanctuary, I want you to say it so loud I can hear you here. And in the ark at True Worth, the same thing. I want to hear everybody say the word restoration and just listen to its power. Ready? One, two, three, say it. That's a powerful word. That's a powerful word. You know what it means? You know what restoration means? It's taking something that's been damaged. It's taking something that's been defaced and making it brand new again. That's what that means. That's what restoration means. I love that word. Uh, There's a statue, one of the famous sculptors of David, Michelangelo over in Florence, Italy. In 1991, there was a gentleman who snuck a hammer into his uh, coat and he started just chipping away, defacing and damaged almost to the point to beyond recognition this statue. But there was a sculptor who had a great skill and he loved to restore stuff and he went in and restored it. You go to there today and see it, it's just like it was brand new, like nothing ever happened to it. Probably the most famous painting in the world is the Mona Lisa. In 1956, a woman goes into the museum to see this famous painting with a little jar of acid. She takes out the acid and throws it in anger on the painting. Just literally just defaces it greatly. And a famous painter comes and takes it, no, 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 and takes it with such love and care and restores it back to you. You go to see it today, you can't even tell that anything's ever been damaged or harmed to it. You know, this past week we saw the Notre Dame Cathedral uh, just go down in flames. And so many of our Catholic brothers and sisters around the world just all just devastated this worship place of edifice, such a high symbol of the presence of God in the world over there in Europe. And now they're saying that in five years to 15 years, with the money and technology available, it will be restored. And it will be restored even to better than new. And just amazing uh, restoration, what can happen. 
back to home in a little bit on a smaller scale. Uh, about 10 years ago, my dad had a ladder that my mom said he needed to get rid of, that it wasn't safe. My dad is 89. Uh, he was 79 at the time. He would climb this ladder. My mom was scared to death he was going to die. So she said, we got to get rid of this ladder, Mather, and get you a new one. So they got him a new one. And so my mom gave me the old one. <laughs> Just let that sink in for a minute. <laughs> I'm the only son, the oldest. <laughs> so I took the ladder, because it was my dad's ladder. And my dad used to fix, so I would fix stuff. You know, I fixed stuff. That's what we got. We fixed stuff. Just like my dad did on the ladder. And I'd be climbing that ladder. And my wife would say, honey, you can't go up that ladder. You're going to die. Something bad's going to happen. I mean, it was so rickety shaking. It was so defaced. And you'd get splinters on it when you climbed it. It was just rough, rough as it could be. And that had been taken care of. It just damaged and defaced greatly. And so this past spring, I thought, well, it's about time to get rid of this ladder. It's in my garage. And I got to clean the garage out. And I thought, man, I just got to throw that thing in the dumpster. Uh, it's kind of worthless. It's just kind of seen its last day. And then I started thinking. Uh, there's a young man in our small group uh, named uh, Jared Gales. And Jared loves to restore wood. So I called Jared. I said, Jared, I got my dad's old ladder. And I'd like, to, uh, I'd like for you to take it and see if you could do something with it. So here's that ladder. Jared took it. And I'm telling you, it just doesn't look good. I mean, it looks so good with teak oil and the wood's kind of come to life. It is solid and sound as a fiddle. I can climb up on this thing. I could do a handstand on top of this. I'm not. But I could do a handstand on top, and it would, I would not be any fear that it would shake and it would go away. This ladder now is not only beautiful, it is functional. It has been restored. Better than new. In fact, I'm expecting I'll have to put this ladder in my will. It's going to outlive me. It's got my dad's name on it. I promise you my sons will want it. God understands that some of you have been damaged. God loves you. And he knows some of you have been damaged. You've been damaged by your parents, some of you. I mean, really damaged. Some of you have been damaged by a spouse. I mean, really damaged. Some of you have been damaged by your own children. Your own flesh and blood have turned against you. Some of you have been screwed over in business. Somebody stabbed you in the back in business, betrayed you, left you out to dry. Some of you have had some terrible, terrible, terrible things done to you, and you're damaged. And you're so damaged, you feel like you're beyond restoration. You feel like, just throw me in the dumpster, nothing else to be done with me, I'm done. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. Because if you choose Jesus Christ, here's the promise of Christ in Scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Anyone who is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Our God is in the restoration business. Of those things in your life that have hurt you and defaced you and damaged you. He can use that and change it to make you better than new. I've seen him do it. That's the advantage of being in the same church for so many years. I've seen hundreds, if not thousands of people walk through these doors. Damaged. Angry. Bitter. So hurt. Lonely. No hope. 
Didn't they choose Christ? Not just a little flippant thing. They choose Christ. And they receive the Holy Spirit on the inside. God starts changing them on the inside. You do know that begins on the inside first. And God starts doing something new on the inside. Then they get involved with some other Christians. They start hanging out with some other people that have been damaged like them. But who've experienced this hope of restoration like them. And they hang out together. And they start getting better. Then they start even opening this little book every morning for just 10 or 15 minutes and reading something. And it teaches them how to love. How to really love. I mean, how to really love. And they start doing that. And it's amazing how God... Church, I've seen this so many times. Where people who are so full of hate become a person who loves people. People who just had grudges, I mean just a grudge, become forgiving. I've seen people that were just so greedy. Just greedy, 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 greedy. I mean, it's all about the next buck, the next dollar, the next promotion. It's all about the next thing I'm going to act. I'm going to acquire my next acquisition. And all of a sudden, they choose Christ, and they become generous with their life. And they're just asking, how can I bless and help other people? I have seen every kind of relationship, and I'm going to emphasize every kind of relationship that's been damaged restored. That's how incredible is the resurrection love of God through Jesus. And he just doesn't restore you. He gives you a restoration vision for the world. And all of a sudden, it's no longer just about you. I have seen people who were never bothered at all by racism, never. Not bothered at all by bigotry. Not bothered at all by judgmental issues and political lines. Not bothered at all. All of a sudden, get bothered. And they go, you know what? Not on my watch. Not again. In any social setting I'm in, I'm going to cross any sort of social economic line, any color line, any issue that divides in our nation, and I'm going to go across and let them know they are loved. They are a human being. I'm going to treat that person like I want to be treated. I've seen people do that. Who all of a sudden, they're a totally different person. And they treat people. If they see someone being treated less than a child or a daughter of God, they go, let me show you what that's like. And they go, yeah. I've seen people who are never bothered by poverty. All of a sudden, so bothered by it. They say, you know, I can't take care of everything, but I can do something. And boy, it's something they do. I've seen people around this church give up a whole week of vacation. A whole week. Instead of going to the tropics or some of their family, going to the most dirt, poor, and spend a whole week and sleep on floors. Just to, I've seen people who used to not care about people being hungry. They just have, I've seen them give up their whole Thanksgiving. Give up Thanksgiving. To go down to the night shelter with our wonderful friends down to True Worth and all the organizations down there. And just spend time with our greater family at True Worth and, and eat lunch with our family of God. Who would not have Thanksgiving unless some folks said, hey, how can I help restore? 
I've seen people who work from early in the morning till late at night, five to even six days a week, whose weekends are precious, be restored in their own lives and give up much of their Sunday morning to go down that hallway or upstairs and be with our kids and our youth who don't have parents or don't have people in their life to make sure they have a chance of knowing they are loved and they're, they're important and they're valuable. It's amazing what this does. There's a man in this church who has a drilling company. He drills water wells. One day he chooses Christ. And his eyes were open. Oh, you know, the only place people we build water wells for are wealthy people. And sometimes it's for their second or third or fourth homes. And there's people in the world that don't have water and they die. He said, ah, oh, that's not right. So now, at least once a year, he packs up his crew, he pays for it, sends them to an under-resourced nation, and they drill a water well for people who would die if they did not receive clean water. I asked him, why do you do that? It's out of your own pocket. He goes, I know why he does it. He's experienced his own life, the restoring power of Christ, and he wants to see other people restored. There's a man in this church who's a mechanic. He leaves the house before the sun ever comes up. He does not get home until the sun has gone down way late. And all week, all week long, he drives around the Metroplex, was repairing stuff. On the weekends, he has given out his business card to every organization in the, our area who ministers to the poor. He says, you call me anytime you need me. And so now he spends every weekend just repairing stuff from lawnmowers to air conditioners to light fixtures to whatever, ceiling fans just for the who have no chance of paying for somebody to come. I've seen people, that's amazing. I asked him, why do you do this? He says, well, here's why I can do this. Pastor, I can't preach and I can't teach and I can't sing. He really can't sing. <laughs> I mean, he's telling the truth. He said, but I can fix stuff. I can fix anything. And so that's what he does. I stand in awe of our amazing God who restores people so they can restore others. I mean, and make this world a better place. I mean, that's what it's all about. And the Bible says, when you get to the end of your life, the best part is this, when you get to the end of your life, if you've chosen Christ, there's an ultimate restoration. And when you die, you get a new body. A brand new body. A resurrected body. And a new heaven. And a new community where there is no evil. There is no crying, there is no shaming, there is no blaming. It is life like you've only dreamed of having. It's available to anyone who has that. You know, here a few weeks ago, I'm leaving the church. It's late at night. It's almost 10 o'clock, in fact, just before 10 o'clock. And I'm going home from a meeting. And over here, the QT, right here on the corner, 174 in Renfro, there's a line of people out the door. And I'm going, why are these people in this line out the door? And cars are everywhere. I later found out they were, it was when the, the lottery was at its highest point, the numbers were getting big, and people were over there buying lottery tickets. For, they announced them right before 10. And so I'm going, oh, my goodness, if I'd have known that, I'd have driven in there as fast as I could and got out and said, hey, 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 don't you, here's the truth. You have a greater chance of becoming Tom Cruise than you do of winning that lottery. <laughs> what are you doing? You're betting your whole future on something that is not, just not going to happen. And what if you do win? What if you do win? You think that money's going to buy you happiness? Is that money going to restore your marriage? Is that money going to bring that child back from the dead that died at an early age that you're bitter and angry about? Is that money going to make your kids come home? 
Is that, is that, is that money going to make everything right in your life and make the world right? No, it's not. And I dream of the day when there's lines not outside QT, but outside of churches, not just on Easter, but every Sunday for people who want to choose Christ. Choose Christ. Choose his love for you. And to learn to love like he loves. And to see how that changes your family and everybody around. Now, if you've been observant, there's a little box outside of each one of these little phrases. And if you have this, I would invite you, wherever you are, online, true worth, in the same square here in the yard, I would invite you to get these out right now. And we're going to do something really quickly here. I'm going to walk through this. And this morning, if you can say, if you can say, yes, okay, I believe that God is love. There is a God, and He is love. I mean, He's the core of everything that exists he created the heavens and the earth and you just gonna put a check mark put a little mark there asterisk do it with an attitude yes i believe that i mean boom don't be lazy hazy about it just be deaf and be yes i believe that or if you believe that evil exists i mean you've seen evil it's been in your life your family you saw it in the world if you believe evil exists just kind of make a mark there as well number three that god sent a remedy you believe that jesus is the son of god that he lived a blameless life that he died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. That God raised him from the dead. That he ascended into heaven. And that even now he is in heaven waiting to restore his complete kingdom. If you believe that's who Jesus is, I would encourage you just to say, yes, I believe that's who he is. I believe that. But number four, this is the critical one. That I choose, I choose Jesus as the healer of my past and the leader of my future. I will follow him into the future because he has healed my past. I choose him. I chose him. And yes, I can say that. Maybe some of you here this morning for the very first time, for the very first time on Easter 2019, you would say, you know what, today I want to choose Jesus as the leader of my home, of my own life. And you just go, yes, I believe that I, I'm doing that. And the last one is I believe that God restores, that I, I cannot be so damaged or so defaced or experienced so much evil in my life that God cannot restore me, and he will restore me, and boom, boom, boom. Now, someone last night after worship, they said, Pastor, I feel like I, I failed the test. I could only check two. This is not a test. If you can only check two, that might be more than you could have checked last year. But now you know where you need to learn, where you need to grow, what you need to read about in the Bible, or ask questions about when you learn as a pastor around, go, hey, you know, don't run. Just have a conversation. Or maybe you checked all five. I'm going to invite everybody to stay in Sanctuary, up on the track, free work, online if you can. If you're not in the hospital, I invite you to stand. And here in a moment, we're going to sing the ending of this song. And we get to the point, you got all five. He ran out of that. This is your declaration of faith on this 2019. I want you to raise your card up high. He ran out of that grave. I want you to declare it high. All five, you believe this is God is in your life. Okay? Let's do it. Come on, let's sing this together. I need a rescue. My sin was heavy. Chains break at the weight of your glory. I need a shelter. I was an orphan. Now you call me a sinner. Come on, if this is you, sing it out. When I was 
Everybody have a wonderful, wonderful weekend.